0: to myself, I want to pick, this isn't part of our seven signs series, but it is in the book of John. And I wanted to pick a passage that I thought would uh, gel well with uh, what we have learned from our mothers and continue to learn. So we're going to be looking at John 10, 1 through 15. It can be found on the inside of your books in the of course in the scriptures. John 10, 1 through 15. Truly, truly, I say to you, Well, it's Mother's Day make sure to call or hug your mother today okay I don't know about your relationship with your mother whether it's good or bad but your mother did one thing right uh, she had you so make sure to, to congratulate your mom on that tremendous task learning some tasks you know it's interesting getting a Mother's Day gift isn't it? it can be a very dicey business getting a Mother's Day gift In fact, I saw, I was on the internet, that great all-seeing eye, and I saw this article, Top 10 Mother's Gift No-No's. Okay, so I want you, if you did get a gift more than a card, you need to weigh what you got in reference to this Top 10 Gift No-No's for Mother's Day. (coughs) Number 10, a vacuum cleaner. Okay, All sorts of messages you don't want to send, vacuum cleaner. Love your mom, start vacuuming. There's a time to give a vacuum cleaner, it is not. (laughs) Number eight, curtains. Okay, well, we don't have time for all ten. So we're going to do number eight, curtains. You know why you shouldn't get your mother curtains? Because you'll do it wrong. Okay? You'll pick the wrong curtains. Okay? And then she'll be frustrated because you picked the wrong curtains. Don't you know me? Don't you love me? It's just going to spiral down. So don't do that. Okay, number five, anything seen on an infomercial. Okay? The Snugly, don't buy her the Snugly, okay? Or the Potato Peeler. Anything seen on TV. Too cheesy. Don't do it. Don't hurt you. Number three, weight loss video. <laughs> right? Happy Mother's Day. Here's a weight loss video. That's a bad idea. Take it back, men. If you got it, take it back. Number two, an apron. Once again, bad choice. Apron is bad. And number one, deodorants. <laughs> Don't give your mother deodorant. It's just it's just wrong, okay? Now, I'm, I'm much better at deciding things like this, so I'm going to see if I can guess the gifts that mothers would want on a time like this. Women, raise your hand if I'm, if I'm hitting you where you're at, okay? A full massage day complete with manicure and pedicure. <laughs> Am I on? Okay, that's good. That's good. A weekend away at King's Mill with fine diamonds. Am I getting close? Okay, this is where I'm, this is a little bit of a risk, okay? A full week-long vacation in France complete with wine tour and hot air balloon ride. Yeah. I'm good, I'm good. I'm really disappointed, though, that, that you guys didn't suggest what my mother wants. All my mother wants is for me to send her CDs of my current sermon series. <laughs> so I've already mailed off the first five of these uh, seven, uh, seven signs of the Savior series, which Mom will listen to. So Mom, you're going to be listening to this one. Happy Mother's Day. You know, it's interesting how moms are like shepherds, aren't they? You know, a mom will lay down their life for, for a, a kid. You know, even this, uh, this Boston thing, these, these uh, terrorists who did this awful act, and they go and they interview the mother, and the mother can only see the best in her kids. No, they couldn't have done this. They're wonderful children. This is a something like this is a hoax. It's, it's not my boys, it's someone else. They will back their child all the way to the end. They did this thing, I think it was Hallmark, one of the card companies, they did a Mother's Day card thing in prison. And they go bring cards for inmates to sign for Mother's Day. And the the inmates flocked to it, because they wanted to sign and give a card for Mother. They did the same thing for Father's Day, and no one showed up. Because it's the mother that sticks with you, no matter what, thick and thin. It's the mom that wakes up late at night uh, when, when she's not getting the phone call. It's the mom who worries and struggles. Single-parent homes, 72% of them live with the mother because the mother is the shepherd. The challenge with mothers who shepherd their children is they can't always protect them, can they? There's a lot of wolves out there, and as they get out into the world, they can only hold on to them for so long. For after all, they do love, but they are human. But Jesus in this passage shows us that he is the good shepherd who has the heart of a mom, the bravery of a dad, and the power of God. Jesus is the faithful shepherd that is able to take his own to protect them and guide them and lead them to green pastures, to safety, to a certain destiny. Jesus is the faithful shepherd. It's very interesting, this passage is actually right after Jesus heals a blind man which we're going to be talking about next week. And how the Pharisees, the shepherds, cast out this blind man. And how Jesus is contrasting how he is the faithful shepherd, unlike these bad shepherds. How do we know that Jesus is the good shepherd? That we can follow him? Because the true one who leads us to life is the shepherd who lays down his life for us. That's Jesus Christ. And so this passage tells us that we need to do three things if we are to follow this faithful shepherd. Number one, we need to listen for his voice. We need to listen for the voice of the Savior. Number two, we need to follow him closely as we go on this dangerous journey we call life. And number three, we need to not fear. For God is with us, and if God is with us, who can be against us? And so let's take a look at these three things. He finds us, he leads us, and he keeps us. Number one, he finds us. If you look at John 10, 1, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. There's actually two illustrations of two different sheepfolds in this Story here. The first is of this particular sheepfold, which happens in a town or in a city. And what would happen is the shepherds would come in and they would stable their flocks uh, either uh, during the winter or uh, when there wasn't pasture. And what they would do is they would all bring their flocks into one central big pen. Okay? And there was somebody there called the gatekeeper. And so these flocks would be safe in here, it would be protected, almost like a self-storage type thing, except there would be a gatekeeper watching out for these sheep. Now the only people able to come in and out, just like the self-storage, is the owners of the sheep. Okay, if you're trying to get in by any other ways than through the gatekeeper, you're a robber, and you're a thief. Because the only people that can come in to get these sheep are the ones that put them in. And so owners only can come in and the gatekeeper will let them in. But how does the shepherd get the sheep out? See, there's multiple flocks. And I don't know about you, but all sheep look the same to me. Did they brand the sheep? Did they spray paint the sheep so you knew which one it was? No, they simply would call out the voice. They knew their sheep because they named them. And the sheep would hear the voice of the shepherd and they would lift up their heads and they would start trying to find the shepherd. See, sheep have notoriously bad eyesight, but they have very good hearing. And so they would hear the shepherd, and they would want to come to him, but the problem is there would be other sheep in their way. And so the shepherd would literally have to go into the flock, the flocks, call the name of the sheep, and bring them out. But what would happen is all the sheep that weren't theirs would scatter, and they would run. And as a result, they bring you know the shepherd would bring out these sheep one by one, almost pushing them out of, of this uh, safe area. And the gatekeeper would let them out. And how would the gatekeeper know that these sheep belonged to the shepherd? Because the sheep knew his voice. This is a spiritual analogy that God uh, that Jesus is giving us. Because when we think of this, what is this pen where all of these sheep are? A pen is an enclosure. It's a place where people are kept shut up. We use the word penitentiary, don't we? Penitence. It's a place where you are put behind a wall. Jesus is showing that there is a place where all of these sheep are in this pen, this penitentiary, that is not the place they are supposed to be. Or they're supposed to be with their shepherd in the place where they can feed and be safe. And flourish. You know, it's kind of like that thing, you know, ships are safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are meant for. We see this illustration of a gatekeeper all across the Bible, don't we? Remember Adam and Eve thrown out of the garden for their sin? And lo and behold, God puts a gatekeeper, an angel with a flashing sword to guard the way back. Man is imprisoned away from the presence of God. Is not the temple curtain a door? A gatekeeper, if you will, that does not allow people to come into the presence of God because they are sinful and God is holy. See, the gatekeeper, him who keeps us locked away from the shepherd, from the life that we are supposed to experience, is our sin. The sin is the pen and the gatekeeper is the law. The gatekeeper are the righteous requirements of God. God. It says, this are the people that can come into the presence of God. These that follow the law. Galatians 3 put it this way, but the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. See, this wall, this separation we have, this enclosure can only be bridged by one who has a pure hand and a clean heart. One who is sinless. One who has the authority to step through the gate and to bring his people out. And that is Jesus. Isn't that the story of the whole Bible, though? A shepherd coming to gather his people? The Israelites in bondage in Egypt. And God having compassion on his people and taking his shepherd Moses to bring them out of captivity to a land flowing with milk and honey. Is it not Jesus in front of the tomb of Lazarus? Kept up in his pen of death, Lazarus come forth. Is it not the blind man who is able to see? Is not the word church, which means ekklesia, literally in Greek, the called out. Those who have been called out by God who has the ability to open the door. And how did those come out? How did they come out and respond to the gate, to the shepherd who calls them? Because they know his voice. I remember I was probably about six or seven years old, and I lived in Texas, in Dallas, and we were taking one of those trips to a amusement park, Six Flags Over Texas. I don't know if anyone's been to Six Flags or not. You know, as a six, seven-year-old, everything looks giant, you know? And I'm with my parents, and... This is wonderful, we're having a great time, we're eating horrible things, you know, all sorts of great stuff. And we're walking along and then all of a sudden in an instant, in this crowded uh, arcade way here, uh, I look up and I can't see my parents. Now I'm six or seven, right? I'm here and it's just a wall and a mass of people and all of a sudden I don't know where they are. And because I don't know where they are, I don't know where I am or who I am. How do you try to explain? And I'm frozen there as I'm wondering... I'm lost. So frozen, I can't say anything. And I'm just standing there with this panic rising in my heart. And then all of a sudden, my mom figures out where's my son. And moms do what all moms start doing. She starts calling out, Carlos! You know, and right away, I perk up my head. Why? Because you know your mother's voice, don't you? Oh, you know your mother's voice. She starts calling, you know, and I'm like the sheep looking around, okay? But I can't see her. Because I'm down here. But she can eventually see me. And she comes and she takes me and brings her back by her side. And all of a sudden I go from terror to peace. Because the shepherdess has found me. I know her voice. See that's what this whole passage is talking about. That the shepherd has come. That he has come into the pen and he is calling the name of his sheep. Come out. Indeed he's going into the pen itself. Bringing them out. And so the question we must ask is, what sheep are we? We have to only understand three things to get what Jesus is talking about. Number one, realize you're trapped. Realize that we are in this pen. We are lost. We can't get out. We don't know the way out. Indeed, we're trapped by our sin and our lostness as a people, humanity we call planet Earth. We must realize that we are trapped because until you realize that you're trapped, you're not listening not listening for God's voice. But once we realize we're trapped, we're able to perk up our ears and wonder, who is it that is calling me out? And that's Jesus speaking. I remember at age 18 hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I heard his voice, unmistakable. Did I hear his voice audibly? No, but I knew he was calling me. I don't understand how it works. I'll give this same sermon To a host of different people. Some of them the light will come on, some of them it won't. What Jesus said is, My own, hear my voice. Jesus would give a passage, he would give a parable, and he would say, He who has ears, let him hear. See, my job as a preacher is not to convince you of anything, it's simply to extend the call of Jesus Christ. And you deciding, Do I respond or not? Do you know his voice? Jesus said a lot of things as he walked on this earth. But his one call was an unmistakable, follow me. And some did, and some didn't. And so you must realize that you're a trap. We must listen for his voice, and we must respond in faith. Bring me out, Jesus. I want to go with you. I don't know where it is, but I know that you're the one that can lead me to where I'm going. Because the one who leads us to life is the shepherd who lays down his life. He is a shepherd worth following. So number one, the point is that we must listen for his voice. But point number two is we should follow him closely. We see in 10.4, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. See, the purpose of this shepherd coming into this pen is to bring them out and then to lead them to safe pastures. In the West, shepherds lead behind by pushing and corralling the dogs and so forth. But in the East, they lead by going in front because it's a long journey to get where they need to go. See, one thing about sheep, they have absolutely no phony instinct whatever. If I was to take a butterfly and take it 3,000 miles away, that butterfly somehow will find its way all the way back to the meadow that it was taken from. If I take a sheep and put it on the other side of the block, you'll never see it again. It's gone, okay? It's you know It'll be in Detroit by you know, the night. It has no idea where it's going. It has no homing instinct. In addition, sheep have no defenses. Okay, they don't have claws. They don't have tusks. They don't have anything. All they have is this armor of cotton, which is unbelievably tough. No defense. They're a walking lunch, is what a sheep is. <laughs> And so it's the job of the shepherd to defend the sheep. Remember David who's killed the lion and he's killed the bear protecting the sheep. The rod, which is the stick that has a a ball on it, if you will, that literally shepherds become experts at throwing the rod and hitting the animal, the wolf or the dog or whatever with the ball, this wooden ball of this rod. See, they have no defenses. And so Jesus takes his own on an expedition, a journey, I love Psalm 23, one of the greatest pictures of the shepherd, God, right? How does it start out? I can't even remember. What it like. I will not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, a, a sheep won't drink from flowing water. It scares them to death. The water has to be still. But the shepherd, the good shepherd, leads them to still waters and green pastures. And yea, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they will not fear, for the rod and the staff of the shepherd are with them. Jesus is going ahead. But like all analogies, they break down eventually. Because sheep, the purpose of a shepherd is to take sheep from one point to the next point. It's simply a process of transportation. But Jesus, with his people, is in the process of transformation. The passage is part of the destination. See, Jesus is taking these people who are enemies of God and transforming them into sons. When am I saved? The truth of the matter is, if you are a Christian you have been saved, you're being saved and you will be saved. It's a process by which God is conforming us into the likeness of Christ. And so, school is in session for his people who are following the shepherd. And there are lessons to be learned along the journey. Some of these lessons with Jesus the shepherd are learning to trust him. As he says, go this way instead of this way. And we see the water and we wonder, is it going to be okay to step through? One of the lessons we have to learn with our shepherd Jesus is obedience. Go this way, not this way. And Jesus has this rod in the staff, the rod which he will use, to tap the sheep and let them know you're going in the wrong direction. The staff which you will use to literally pull them out of the bog, to bring them back into the fold. We must learn obedience. We must learn reliance on the shepherd who feeds us and cares for us and clothes us and teaches us. The journey for a Christian is a hard one and a long one. But it's a journey from death to life. And the shepherd goes before us. I don't know if you remember this, if you're a parent, but it's always interesting to watch your kids grow up and how they learn to walk. In the beginning, literally, they're flat on their back, and they're just a suitcase for about, I don't know, three, four months, okay? They're just laying there. And then the big milestone is, can they turn over, okay? And all of a sudden, they start wanting to turn over, and they're almost doing it, and they're back on their back, because they can't quite figure it out. And you know, parents, it's ridiculous. We're like, oh, come on, you know, you get all into it, turn over, you know? And all of a sudden, you know, finally they turn over. And so they're on all fours, but the problem is they can't figure out how to go forward. And so they start going backward because they can't figure out how to put it together to go forward. And then they finally start to get forward and they start doing this thing called turtling. From turtling, you know, they got their hands and they're on their feet and they're kind of crab walking forward. And then they go to cruising. Where they're pulling themselves up, and they're literally, you know, going to, you know, reaching to the next thing, and then they're toddling, and then they're walking, and then they're running. I've gone through this process with my kids. I think it was last year, maybe this year, where my son finally beat me in a running race. Yeah, I'm I'm ticked. Uh, There's no question. It was rigged. Something is wrong because I, I, you know, the truth of the matter is. But the point is to grow them up to maturity. That's what Jesus is doing in this process. So how is your journey going? Are you lost? Maybe you've started this journey, but you're wondering. You can't quite hear his voice because you're so busy looking at all the things around you. Maybe work isn't going so well for you. You didn't get the promotion, or things are hard at the job, or maybe you don't even have a job. And this is hard, and you're wondering, why would God lead me through this? Are you there? It's all part of his process to follow the king. He does not leave us or forsake us. But his goal for us is maturity. And so this process called our Christian walk is a process of learning to live closely to him. Fixing our eyes on him and not our circumstances. Learning to trust his words when these words are all we have. Coming to him in prayer in a quiet place. To search and hear His voice and to gain direction from Him through His Holy Spirit. Seeking His rod and His staff to discipline and comfort us. Taking hope in the fact that the journey will one day be over. But it is a journey, my friends, and if you are alive and a Christian, you are on it. So take hope. Our shepherd is good. He leads us. He will never forsake us. This brings us to the final point. If we listen for His voice and follow Him closely... We cannot fear, because he will protect us. We see at the last part of this passage, Jesus says, not that he is a good shepherd, but he is a door. What does he mean by that? Verse 7, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters me, he will be saved and will go in and out of fine pasture. Because the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come... That may have they may have life and have it abundantly. When the shepherd would take the sheep out into the wild, there was no longer a gatekeeper. There was no longer a corral. There were simply these primitive stone, if you will, enclosures built, and they would put briars and things up on the top. And basically, it was like a big funnel. And at the very tip of it, there was no door. There was no gatekeeper, because the shepherd was the door. He would lead the sheep into the fold, and then he would lay down at the door, and function as the door. In other words, if the animal, or the wolves, or the thieves were going to get through, they were going to get through him. See, Jesus is saying, first of all, that I am the door that opens to lead you to where you are supposed to go. Remember, Jesus says that I am the door to heaven. Someone said to Jesus, are only a few people going to be saved? Jesus said, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. It's only Jesus that has the power to tell that angel in Eden to step aside and to bring us into the place, the heavenly city of heaven, and to stand guard against those enemies who would follow and would kill us. Hebrews 10.19 said this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is His body. He brings us to a new place and He becomes our gatekeeper. The good shepherd who lays down His life for the sheep. See, the hired hand doesn't care, does he? Because He's not the owner When the wolf comes, he runs, because he doesn't have anything invested. But Jesus has everything invested in his people, and indeed, he will lay down his life. He already has, and will continue to, until we are safe where we are belonging. heard a story about a a very interesting woman. Her name was Susanna Petroissa, and she was an Armenian, and her daughter, Gayani, they were in Armenia and they were over at a friend's house and she was actually trying on a dress at her friend's house and she had taken off the dress and she was in a slip and some stockings and was putting on her clothes when all of a sudden the worst earthquake in the history of Soviet Armenia came. 55,000 victims in this earthquake. And so Susanna was there with, his, with her daughter and then all of a sudden the floor opened up and they dropped nine floors into the basement and somehow survived. Susanna was trapped on her back, a concrete panel 18 inches above her head. She could barely move and certainly couldn't stand, and her daughter, miraculously, was right next to her. And her daughter, as she thought to herself, how am I going to take care of my daughter? They ended up being in that place for eight days. Susanna felt around and she found this jar of jam. And her daughter, as she began to complain that she was thirsty, Susanna would give Gaiani this... Jelly, this jar, was gone, though, in two days. And then the cries of Guyana, she'd say to her mother, Mom, I'm thirsty. And as she had to sit, helplessly, having nothing to give her child. And then she remembered a story she had heard about an explorer in the Arctic who was dying of thirst. His comrade slashed open his hand and gave his friend his blood. I had no water, no fruit juice, no liquids, Susanna said. But then I remembered I had my own blood and her groping finger numb from the gold shattered of the glass and she proceeded to begin nicking her fingers to let her child sip for blood but the drops of blood weren't enough please mommy some more cut another finger Susanna had no idea how many times she cut herself she only knows that if she hadn't Guyani would have died her blood was her daughter's only hope and indeed it was her salvation See, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus knows his own. And he has come to rescue us, to take us on a journey, and to lead us to safety. And he has already shed his blood for you and me to protect us from the evil one, to grant us passage through the gate. And he will most certainly deliver us to the end. I don't know what's going on in your life, Wolves are attacking you. I don't know if you feel like you're lost and you've wandered and there's no way Jesus would accept me back now. But Jesus looks at you like a child of And he will give everything he has for you. Listen for his voice. Follow him closely. Don't fear. Because he will find us. He leads us, and he will keep us to the end. The one who leads us to life is the shepherd who lays down His life. If you have trusted in Him, He is your Heavenly Father and your Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. We do thank you for our moms who gave us a picture. Or maybe we didn't have moms that gave us this picture. But we do thank you for the great shepherd Jesus Who shows us the picture of love? God, you are not a man, you are not a woman, you are God. And you are all things, and so man and woman are made in your image. Yet you bring us the God man, Jesus Christ, who has come to sacrifice his life that he might come into this world of sin and free us. Lead us out of captivity and bondage. Go before us, protect us, and bring us into your house. Lord, we are on the journey and we have a terrible homing instinct. Lord, help us to hear your voice, to follow closely, to accept the care and the discipline of your rod and staff. And bring us into a safe place, a land flowing with milk and honey, where we can be in your presence in the fullness of your glory, with God the Father, you Christ our Lord and the Holy Spirit, at last at home. This is our fervent prayer. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.